Welcome to the Rainmaker Multiplier On Demand, a podcast for leading financial professionals or rainmakers and their teams that offer support for securing a successful future. From marketing help to staffing structure, listen and subscribe for actionable insights from advisors and skilled professionals alike. Thank you all for being here today. Uh, as Dina mentioned, today's topic, how to get better return on paid and social ads. This is a great way to be filling your funnel with those outside prospects, but with a strategy like this comes a lot of moving pieces. And that's why I want to be here today to provide some guidance, some best practices, and even how to overcome some of those challenges that many of you are facing if you already are running those ads. And so who better to serve as our, our guest baristas today than our in-house gurus, Carrie Chadoff, our VP of Marketing, and Erica Rivera, our paid ad specialist and social media coordinator. So now time to jump in. Erica, let's start with you. So with so many social media platforms available, and it feels like there's new ones popping up every week now, or rebranding in, in Twitter's case, but how do you decide where to invest your advertising budget for the best return when you're looking at those networks? That's a good question, Matt. I think it stems back to the age-old question of how to actually properly market, and that's with knowing your audience. So as for financial advisors, I think the best audiences are currently on Facebook and on LinkedIn. So when you use Facebook, you're going for that B2C, so business to consumer voice. And on LinkedIn, you're going business to business. A lot of a lot of advisors that I have spoken to recently have kind of questioned, well, you know, why do I want to be on LinkedIn unless I'm talking to my other fellow advisors or even keeping an eye on my possible competition? Well, the answer to that is to do exactly that. You want to keep an open dialogue with your other advisors and keep an eye on your competition in order to know how to market effectively to your consumers. So you use Facebook and LinkedIn both hand in hand, and those tend to be the most effective ways to get your message across and create a brand that is unique to yourself to gain more leads and more forever clients. Now, that's it's good feedback. And thank you for sharing what we're seeing too with those other advisors. I think the other thing for everyone to keep in mind is even the type of ads that you're doing on those networks might vary. And I know Erica, you and Carrie both have a lot of experience in there, but even for Facebook and doing those for seminars and things like that, those are going to be different types of ads on a network like Facebook versus something that you might be doing on LinkedIn uh, where it's much more individualized and targeted. So I guess Carrie, shifting gears a little bit, we talk... Uh, in a lot of these sessions and a lot of our like marketing roundtable meetings about knowing your numbers and the importance there. So if, if we're going to invest there in these digital ads, can you discuss the role of data analytics and, and metrics and knowing those numbers in terms of measuring your success on social media, uh, not only in terms of the metrics for clicks and views and, and things like that, but on the ROI that you're doing and making the adjustments along the way? Sure. And, and as they say in, in HR, you can't manage what you can't measure. So it is critically important that you know your numbers. And, and those that I've spoken to, at the end of the day, what, what are you looking for? And you're going to say, I'm looking for new clients with uh, assets or, or you know, transferring assets or, or someone that wants to purchase services provided. But I would ask that you really look at each step of the funnel. All right. So if you start at the top, the number of impressions, how many people are seeing your advertisements, how many are clicking on those advertisements, how many are taking action, meaning perhaps registering or downloading, providing information for gated content, 
How many of those are attending the webinar? How many become right fit calls? How many become clients? Now you say, well, that's a lot to track. And it is. And, and the importance of understanding where the holes are in the funnel, where the water is spraying out, if, if we extend that analogy, is you can't fix what you don't know, what you're not measuring. So if it is the number of clicks, I'm going to discuss, perhaps you're not reaching the right people. Perhaps your uh, message is, isn't resonating. If it people are clicking, and but they're not registering, then I would say, let's take a look at your landing page. What's the call to action? Where are they falling out? If they are registering, but not attending, where is there? Are you doing nurturing campaigns, right? If you're doing nurturing campaigns, they're coming, but they're not doing right fit calls. What is it? Why? Are they not becoming clients? So you can see that there's going to be solutions at each step of the funnel of, of how to address. So, you know, simply to say I had 45 attendees come to my webinar, I'd say it sounds good, but it's really irrelevant if none of those become fit calls, right? Or none of them are really your target audience. So the importance is understanding the numbers because that's the only way you're going to be able to optimize each campaign. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned I care about knowing them all the way through, because just like we talk about during like the bucket plan process you're running, you know, at each of your offices, it's keeping an eye on those leading versus lagging indicators. And to what you brought up, Carrie, is some of those might be the, the, the clicks over to the landing page or things like that, that's going to be different than the results on the back end, but they're just as important to measure so that we know what might be happening two weeks or two months down the line in terms of our results there and understanding what that timeline might look like. It, I guess, Erica, back to you, because related to that, what are some of the challenges that you're seeing with the, the offices and businesses that you work with when it comes to social media advertising and optimizing their campaigns? One of the biggest challenges that I've been seeing in regards to optimization specifically is very basic. It's what is optimization? That's a question that I've seen a lot specifically this week as I've met with some of our wonderful advisors. And I think the best way to simplify the word optimization is just to know that an optimization to your campaign is simply a change. And a big challenge that I see with optimizations is that we are changing things too fast, too quick, and too harshly. So when I say that we are changing, let's say, the creative, we're removing the image that was recently there and we're changing it for a new one. We're changing the ad copy and we're completely changing it to a whole new ad copy with a new call to action to a different landing page. When you create these ads, it is important to be deliberate from the start. I understand that, you know, due dates are, are very real and we want to do so much at, at the same time, but putting all of your effort into the campaign before you post it for the first time will not lead to, you know, optimization mistakes later. So get it right the first time, take your time with it, understand the platform that you're working on. Let's say Facebook, for example, speaking business to consumer, Facebook gives you a lot of optimization ideas. For one example is changing your ad copy to include more emojis, let's say. So if you want to go that route and include more emojis in your ad copy, do that from the beginning. Try not to do it as you're optimizing it throughout the week or throughout the two weeks that you have the ad running. On a 14-day ad cycle, my best recommendation is to optimize maybe only once, maybe twice pushing it. You definitely don't want to change what's already working, especially if it's your first time running that campaign. So are you saying emojis work? 
I'm saying people like emojis on social media. (laughs) (laughs) No, I know we saw that when we were building a lot of our ads early on, but we've done a lot of the testing on our end. It is amazing that those little things do matter. Having those emojis to break things up and trying different things. I guess that kind of gets into what you mentioned there, Erica, with the ad copy. Carrie, I'll start with you on this one because Eric already touched on this. How important is the specific ad copy and creative of that ad in driving a a better ROI from your social media ad? And do you have any uh, tips or recommendation for the ad content to to provide to everybody? Yeah, so Nielsen did a study of 500 advertising campaigns and and advertising creative drives 50% of sales lifts. Okay, so obviously the other half is your media message and uh, the medium and, and reaching the, the right people. So is it important to have the right creative? I don't know. I would argue that 50% is a pretty high number. It is really important to think as your clients, is think of your target audience and how do they talk to you, not how you talk to them. So lack of jargon, right? If you run a banner ad and they don't really understand what uh, an annuity is, an annuity right for you, Maybe they don't know what an annuity is, right? So do your customers come in and say, I'm looking for a long-term forever money as somebody describes it. And, you know, I want an annuity. Or they say, help me ensure that I have income during my retirement. That's probably how they're phrasing that. So the best creative connects between your message, the media, and kind of the tools you're offering. All right. They've got to, they've got to work, they've got to work together. Think about real benefits that are important to convey. So isn't it isn't is an annuity right for you? Yeah, it, it might be, but do you have enough money to retire? What are your retirement approaches? So so speak to them in the language that, that is going to communicate with them on an emotional level. And also if it's when you get to your landing page and you have larger, then talk about the benefits, right? And and again, it's not about you all the time. Yes, you have to establish credibility. But first, you have to make that connection of what your service does. Will it provide them a unique solution? So, you know, we we talked a little bit, and I think we'll talk a little bit later about A-B testing and and, and some of that, but, you know, striking visuals. So when you think about the number of ads that you see on Facebook, how many do you just scroll through? So again, make sure those ads and the creative is visually uh, appropriate for your audience. Right. Again, we're we're probably speaking about a high net worth individual. So a real issue is sometimes you have your uh, daughter, cousin, neighbor create, you know, fun advertising from you. Well, that that may be great. But the question is, does that resonate with your audience? So think about the creative, think about your audience, and hopefully you see an intersection between those. And when you think about the audience, it's the demographics, it's their interests, it's their point pain points, it's their motivations. You've got to include at least one of those in your main message. Yeah, because there's so much on social media. I mean, all all of us that are on there and you can go through and scroll through your feed for hours. You got to think of that ad like a billboard, like what's going to get them to stop and carry, like you said, that emotional appeal that's going to get them to read it and the hook, like what's the clear call to action that's going to get them to now click and go over to your landing page. It's one action at a time and you got to walk them through uh, each step there. And I'm glad you brought up the creative piece too of the importance of the imagery and the A-B testing, which I know we'll talk about in a second. 
Um, but that's what's going to catch their attention and, and looking at the different imagery that resonates with your audience. Erica, I know you had uh, your hand raised during that response from Carrie. Did you have anything you want to add in terms of the, the importance of the, the copy and the visuals as part of optimizing those ads? Yes, absolutely. I had a wonderful meeting with Meta yesterday, actually. If you don't know, that's the parent company of Facebook. They own Facebook and Instagram. As I was speaking with the advertising representative yesterday, she mentioned about our own specific ads on Facebook for C2P. She mentioned that specifically the visual creative is incredibly important because recently in our campaigns on C2P, we have encountered something called creative fatigue. And I have spoken about creative fatigue before in our marketing roundtables. Basically, what it means is that certain people are seeing our ad and they're glossing over it multiple times. So that means it's being presented to them multiple times. We get the impression, but they are not acting on it. So I asked her, I'm like, how do we fix this? And the biggest tip that she had for me was changing the creative and not changing the creative to completely change the idea of the, you know, the ad itself, but to change the creative so that the colors specifically um, contrast each other. If you have too many shades of, let's say, blacks and grays or blues, they're too dark and it's really easy for the eye to gloss over that as they're scrolling, as we know. So you want something that's really eye-catching. And I know it sounds very simple, but the way she was explaining it to me with our own ad that we had for planning tax management, she showed the picture of Dave's face as well as the light blue background that we had with the orange text. And with there were some like white specks on it. And she said, this is a perfect creative. And that was one of our best campaigns that we ran in October. It was actually you know, record breaking for us, which is really great. So keeping that in mind, you want to make your creative as not flashy, but as different as it could be. You want them to contrast. You don't want it to blend in with everything else. So I think that was a really great tip for Meta. And I want everybody to take that today. If you don't take anything else with you on your ads, you want them to be eye-catching. So you're saying Dave's face was eye-catching and perfect creative. We're gonna have to I think she may have had a crush on him. I don't know. <laughs> but related to this, Carl, I want to get back to your question for the group. Do we have new ads for taxes and retirement and social security for the webinars? As a reminder for those on here, those are the, the webinars that we have available in C2P Central on there for download. We're actually working through those, Carl. I know we partner with 8-Digit Media. A lot of you are using them or have used them in the past. Um, and our team, including Erica and Carrie and myself here, and Chelsea and Maddie from our team are working to uh, revisit those ads. They've performed very well in the past, but kind of to the creative fatigue that Erica mentioned, they could use a refresh. And as we're seeing with these trends, and I know we're going to talk about trends a little later too, things evolve and working more current event type language into that ad copy is becoming more and more eye-catching. So Carl, that is something, and for the rest of you, that is something that we're working on to make sure that we've got some new copy that everybody will be able to have. Whether you work with a digit or not, we'll have that in C2P Central. And once that's done, we're going to actually make sure we get a blast out to everybody so you don't have to go and check in on it every day. We'll make sure everybody's aware. For those that are using a digit, they'll automatically have that because we'll work with Chris and his team over there. So good question. Thank you for asking, Carl. Harry, circling back to what we kind of teased earlier, the A-B testing. So that is the best practice in a lot of different forms uh, of marketing like email, but for the ads in particular, can you explain to everybody, I guess, first how that works in case they're not familiar with it, but its significance in optimizing their ads and ad spend? 
Yeah. A-B testing is really known as split testing, where you're splitting your group and serving different ads to each. Uh, and then you're comparing the responses. What we want to make sure, though, is when you're comparing an A and B, again, just do you like this image or do you like this image, is that you're only testing one variable at a time. If you test more, it's called multivariance, and that's a little bit more advanced. We're not going to talk about that today. It also requires likely a higher spend, likely a higher interaction rate. So let's start with A-B testing. And Erica actually threw one out earlier, and Matt kind of touched on it, is maybe you want to test, do emojis work versus not, right? So you need to go into these tests with a hypothesis. What do you think? Is it emoji versus no emoji? Is it a person versus an, an image? right? Is it one color versus another color? Is it a call to action of click now or join for a free consultation, right? And those in each of those are different uh, variables, right? But you don't want to test colors, emojis, and an image versus one that uh, has, has the opposite. Why? Because you're not really sure what the variable um, that produced the largest difference was. So I encourage you to find one variable, build off of that. Think about it as email and test two different subject lines, right? And which one gets more open, right? One may be a consumer benefit. One might be something about your firm. And then once you have that, test something else, right? You, you know, add something uh, you're going to layer on to the winner. So then you become an AB, then becomes champion challenger, right? So the champion... Um, is the one that obviously produced the best. Now you want a challenger to see if you can knock that off. So that's really in the simplest terms what an A-B test is. Um, and then once you do an A-B, I like to call it champion and challenger because once you find the winner, there's no sense of throwing that away and then testing two new variables because then what do you do? Uh, you have two different, two different winners. And again, think about what I shared earlier. What do you want to test? If your open rates are, are really high, but your registrations for a particular event aren't, then figure out something on that landing page and test the landing pages, right? So think about where in the funnel you want to test uh, diff different things. And again, test one variable at a time. So that that really is what A-B testing is. And that's how you optimize. And it could be colors, it could be emojis, it could be copy. It doesn't really matter, but test each time. Yeah. Thank you for hitting on that, Carrie, because I think it is an important point that, you know, with ads and for those that aren't familiar with it, you should always be testing because not get to get too technical, but even no matter what social network you're using, you break them into what's called ad sets. And so you should always be setting these up and testing against each other. And like Carrie said, running those AB and then I like the champion challenger uh, analogy there of using that. With that, Carrie, as a follow-up question, do you have any recommendations for how long they should let that test ride before kind of moving on to the next challenger? Well, generally, and Eric can kind of address that from kind of a, a Facebook and, and in terms of the optimization. But what I want to do is be able to have a significant difference, right? So if I run an ad and, and one has you know 10, 10 responses and, and one has two responses, I'm not sure that's statistically significant, right? So, so make sure you're getting enough responses that, that there's a clear winner. Um, and, and look up on, on Google of how to run a significant different test. But your gut's going to kind of tell you if you sent out, a, and I'm going to use email just because it's a little bit easier, but if you send out an email and there are a thousand and one open, you know, had 400 opens and, and one had 100 opens, 
that's probably significantly different. But don't make your judgments too quickly. Let things kind of percolate. So oftentimes, especially on digital, you may see one taking the lead. But after time, when someone sees your ad three, four, five, six times, all of a sudden they click on it later, later in the thread. If you declared a winner after a one week and, and minimal clicks, then you would never have known that, well, although this took a little bit longer, at the end of the day, at the end of the spin, we saw significantly more clicks with this creative. So long enough that you can really de determine. Eric, I'll kick that over to you because I know you, you often talk about kind of, you know, the 50 views and before the optimization, if you would. Oh, yeah, definitely. So back to A-B testing really quick. Meta is best practices standard is to have the campaign run at a minimum of seven days. However, the A-B test may be inconclusive. So what they actually recommend as a maximum, which I use personally, is 30 days. That's as far as you can take it. And that's how you can collect the most data. And if the A-B test has a very clear winner, let's say by day 15, Meta will actually stop the campaign for you and let you know, hey, stop spending money. This is your winner. And then you can go from there. Yeah, thank you both. And you know, I'm sure this we started with, you know, knowing your numbers and your metrics and your targets. Part of this is understanding what your goal is of those campaigns too. Cause if you're running a, a brand ad versus one for an ebook versus a virtual seminar or an in-person workshop, what you're trying to accomplish from that ad might be different too. So the length and the amount you spend on that could vary as well. So kind of putting that whole package together of what your end goal is and working backwards to know what you're testing and how long is important as well. So Erica, I'll stay with you. We talked a lot about the testing and the optimization strategies. So with looking at 30 days or really regardless of what that is, these costs can add up quickly. And I know we hear that a lot with those that, that we're working with already. What budgeting strategies or tactics do you recommend or is there a recommended spend based on certain networks that they're using? Definitely. So I do want to clarify, I want you to use a budget that works for you. Don't feel compelled that, you know, oh, my competitor is spending a thousand and I can only spend 500. Work with what you have. It's totally okay. Don't feel the pressure that, you know, you can't run an effective ad with a low budget. You still can. There are best practices that state, you know, typically, and we're talking Google ads, LinkedIn ads, and Facebook ads. The range is typically between $500 and $1,000 per month on ads. So the sweet spot would really be $750. And with that being said, if you can't spare the $750 and you're on the lower side, like let's say $500 or less, make sure that, like I said earlier, your ad is set up properly before you even send it out into the internet world. <laughs> um, make sure that your copy is clean, it's succinct, it's eye-catching, as well as your creative, as we mentioned. Make sure your landing page is up-to-date, perfect, run smoothly. Make sure you're doing all of these tests before you even send it out there because if you don't have as much money to throw and to spend into the campaign, you want to make sure there's no snags and any optimization risks or any op optimization opportunities that you have to take because you know that is ad dollars kind of out the window if you have to waste it on going into a learning phase. With every platform, the learning phases are different, but for the sake of time, we'll keep talking about meta. The learning phase is not a day frame, like seven days. The meta learning phase is actually 50 optimization events. So that means that the ad actually has to be on Facebook or Instagram for 50 people to either see, 
like, comment, share, interact with it before it can get out of that learning phase and actually effectively spend your ad dollars by having other people see it, go out of your reach and, you know, be effective for people to actually click on your landing page. Yeah. And, and as Erica mentioned, you know, if you're going to make this leap and be spending the dollars in this way, we want to help you spend those dollars smart as well. And so if, if you're going this route, make sure that if you're not very familiar with how ad spends work and monitoring these, you know, work with a professional marketing group or book a mentor call with our team or work with our agency, because we want to help you. You know, this is something that if you're going to spend this money, you want to spend it smart. So I think we're coming to a close here, but I guess, uh, you know, I'll, I'll kind of go rapid fire on the last one to each of you. And, and Erica, we can start with you. Are there any emerging trends or tools uh, in social media advertising that that you want to make the group aware of? Yes, absolutely. So one really hot trend right now is UGC, which is user-generated content. Basically, what it means is that you can set up a poll on social media. Let's say, what's your favorite color, red or blue? And people interact with that. They'll say red, blue, and then people will even go into arguments on your post about why red is better than blue. And that user-generated content actually helps you rank higher and kind of go viral on social media. So that is a great trend. I definitely recommend it. It costs nothing and it's very low effort. So definitely try that out. Got it. Carrie, how about you? Anything to share? You know, the only thing I would comment on is if you haven't already started kind of exploring AI and what it can do to help you create some copy, I will say that our agency uses AI in, in different cases, even product namings, and, and gives you a lot of great ideas. So when you're kind of thinking, well, how do I say a certain copy if, if it's limited? Uh, what do I put on a banner ad? How do I phrase this on a landing page? Consider AI. Again, make sure it's in your voice, though, so it doesn't sound like like an AI, although likely. So, so make sure you, you're adding your personality. So if nothing else, watch a couple, couple of videos on AI as it relates to marketing, and I think it'll be uh, interesting. I like to think AI is, is more of a, an assistant intelligent versus, you know, it's, it's helping you guide versus it guiding you. No, that's helpful. And I think on my end, I think keeping an eye on the use of video, you know, we know how catchy that is, but using video within your ads more and more, uh, I know this can be complex. We could probably spend a whole other coffee break or two just on, on that, but some of the tools to make that easier for you, if you do using them that our team is using, one is called Descript. Another one is Opus. We found these very user-friendly and, and ones that you might want to check out or speak with our team on help on how to use those, but definitely things that are going to help create more engaging content for your audience. And Matt, I know we're at the time, but think about videos. That is your personality. Mm -hmm. it, it, there's no easier way to understand who somebody is. If you're natural, I've seen some great advisor videos where they're, they do it while they're taking a walk. They're, they're outside in the park. They show their family. They've got the dog, whatever the case may be. So, so don't think you just have to sit behind a, a desk. Um, show your personality. Right. Thank you uh, again. Thank you, Carrie and Erica, for your valuable insight today. Thanks, everyone, for uh, attending this week's Coffee Break, and we will see you next Thursday. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was brought to you by C2P, an organization whose purpose is to educate, train, grow, and support holistic financial advisors so families can achieve true prosperity. Never miss an episode by subscribing now to discover new resources and strategies. 
Visit C2PEnterprises.com to learn how we can help scale and secure your business.